Have you ever listened to the pod and thought it would be awesome if Jen stopped being nerdy about movies for 60 seconds and talked about your business instead? Well, my friends, you're in luck. Watch with Jen is looking for sponsors. Do you own or run a theater, bookstore, film fest, website, school, physical media firm, pod, streaming channel, or small business that might like to advertise on Watch With Jen? Whether you're interested in sponsoring one episode or several, please reach out. You can get a hold of me at contact at filmintuition.com. Thanks so much. Hey, this is Jen Johans at filmintuition.com and filmintuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen. Although season five won't really get into full swing until roughly February, we are back for an early release of a special episode devoted to an actor we recently lost. So please sit back, maybe grab a pad and pen because we go through quite a lot of movies here and enjoy this early kickoff of season five. And we hope to see you soon. Returning to the podcast today, we have the very insightful Roxana Haddadi, a TV critic with Vulture who also writes about film and pop culture. Previously, Roxana was film editor and critic with Pajiba, and her reviews, essays, recaps, and other writing have also been published by the AV Club, Polygon, RogerEbert.com, the LA Times, Crooked Marquee, The Playlist, Fox Digital, GQ, and Inverse. Roxana, I want to thank you so much for doing this. It's always such a joy to speak with you and see you, my friend. And this is the last day of 2023 as we're recording this. So how are you doing? This is such a loaded question, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) And I know you don't mean it to be. I know. And I don't mean it to be a loaded question. I'm doing okay. I am also glad to see your face. I am sad that we are here to talk about what we're here to talk about. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, grateful that I could revisit uh, some of the performances that the actor that we're going to talk about is in, just because they're so varied and they have such range. And it was just a delight to be able to dive back into them. So short story, doing fine long story approaching this episode with a mixture of like sadness but gratefulness at the same time yeah you know what about you Jen what are you doing I am hanging in I'm you know glad that 2023 is ending ready for 2024 Mm. I mean is it going to be a miracle cure no but I think we could all use a little bit of a reset button so I'm looking forward Mm -hmm. to that And same thing, Uh, we are here, originally we were going to talk about Arrested Development, we were just off air discussing that, Um, that was going to be kind of at the beginning of fall, and you know, our scheduling got away from us, and then we moved it, and didn't really have enough time to prep this time, and it's also on Netflix, and didn't exactly feel like giving Netflix my dough uh, because I lost my gig <laughs> with DVD Netflix. So until enough stuff comes to Netflix that I'm dying to see, 
you know, we'll do it at a later date because I would love to Mm -hmm. talk about that show with you, of course. But yesterday we did lose just one of the great character actors, Tom Wilkinson, and we thought might as well get the band together and honor a legend. So tell me about Tom Mm -hmm. Wilkinson. Do you remember like an early performance that stood out or something that really made you think, who is this guy and um, become a fan? I think that the first one, I'm looking at the IMDb and laughing. I think, honestly, the first one might have been Batman Begins. Okay. Which is so bizarre to say that Tom Wilkinson's random appearance as crime boss Carmine (laughs) Falcone was what made me notice him. But I really think that it was. Um, Batman Begins is still my favorite of that trilogy of films. And I like that the first one still is a little bit cartoony. It still has a little bit of that, like caricature outlandish larger than life thing happening um before dark knight you know has like the specter of what happened with heath ledger and before dark knight rises sort of like loses the plot and gets buried under tom hardy's accent but i remember (laughs) thinking like falcone felt to me in tom wilkinson's hands like a batman the animated series villain and like that's the batman yeah like that's the batman i grew up on this sort of like aggressively uh uh, maximalist version of crime wilkinson's doing like an accent he is really like getting into (laughs) christian bale's face and i just remember thinking that that role was really fun I remember like really enjoying it and enjoying like, yes, the Killian Murphy of that movie, obviously, I mean, it's Killian, um, but also thinking that like Falcone was a fun secondary villain to put you into this version of Gotham. Mm -hmm. And I think once I sort of realized that that was Wilkinson, I think there were other movies that I realized that he had been in after the mm-hmm. fact right so i think it was like eternal sunshine was one yes. that i realized i was like oh that guy um there is a mission impossible that he is randomly yes in for like five minutes mm-hmm. yeah so i think there were a couple of these like little not i don't want to say bit parts because that feels wrong but yeah. these like little roles that i sort of realized that he was in um my mother was a big fan of the best exotic marigold hotel oh and we went and saw that in the theaters and i remember like he had a serious role in that also in uh the grand budapest hotel which mattered to me Mm -hmm. so there's just all these little things that i feel like were like coming together and then it was maybe maybe four or five years ago that my partner and I were talking about like the best recent year for film and we decided together that it was 2007 and I was like oh there will be blood no country like all of these movies that I love and he was like right and Michael Clayton and I was like what's Michael Clayton because I hadn't seen it up until that point yes and uh Adam showed it to me and I just was 
I don't know, completely blown away by everything yeah. about that film. It is now one of my all-time favorites, but especially Wilkinson's performance in it. I just remember being very emotionally overwhelmed by what he is doing as this lawyer who realizes that his entire career has been wrong, right? Has mm -hmm. been defending the bad guys and doing things that are unconscionable and yeah. immoral. And I, I don't know. I, it just made me very emotional, I think. Um, and so that is probably the role that I think about most. It's certainly the one that on my Twitter feed, just picture after picture of his Arthur carrying the bag of baguettes. <laughs> there is something so I both like funny and sad about that photo yes. being used incessantly yesterday. Like, and yes. you know, like Tom Wilkinson in his honor by a fuck ton of bread. And like, I saw all these posts and, <laughs> you know, and it, you, you have to imagine that he would find it pretty funny that it's the bread yes. photo of all these roles. And I mean, what a role, but, and what a great mm -hmm. performance. He is a monologuer. Mm -hmm. That is what he does. But uh, but yeah, it was kind of funny to see the the baguette again and again and again, for mm -hmm. sure. And it definitely, it, I mean, it honestly, we talk all the time about like your social media echo chamber. It yes. very much reflected my echo chamber yes. <laughs> of people just <laughs> loving Michael Clayton, um, especially because like he's had recent roles that mm -hmm. have been very good. I do not hate the movie Snowden. I thought it was like fine. Yeah. And Wilkinson was like pretty good in it. Like he was in Selma, which was also fairly acclaimed like yeah. a decade ago. You know, so like he's done, to your point, a lot of these things. And I think he's one of those great you see him in a movie and you're like, oh that guy. Like he was a great yeah. oh that guy. Guy, um, but I'm curious what yours were. Like, what are your peak Tom roles? That's interesting. I am much older, and uh, so I think I don't think that's true, Jen. But whatever. Back, uh, my my friend Chris Olson, growing up, uh, was obsessed with Prime Suspects, so I watched all mm -hmm. of those videos, like in the early 90s I would have seen uh in the name of the father when that was out in 93 mm -hmm. uh he was the dad I don't know if people remember this um he's only on screen for a couple of minutes at the beginning of Sense and Sensibility he is the dying father uh he was in Rush Hour you know so I saw very him. randomly exactly yes. he, was it. he was Cornwallis in the Patriot which I haven't seen mm -hmm. in like decades kind of like Rush Hour and mm -hmm. so when I was looking back at all of these roles, it's like I saw every one of those films, Full Monty. I saw these movies when mm -hmm. they were new. But the one that really um, made me think, holy shit, was In the Bedroom. It's a mm -hmm. performance mm -hmm. that is right up there with Donald Sutherland in Ordinary People. I am from the Midwest and we are big people pleaser uh, individuals who will smile through pain like you might be having the worst you might be in like getting a divorce or going through just horrors and somebody asks how you're doing we're doing good you know and you just kind of go through it 
And so when I saw that movie, it is uh, Todd Field, what a remarkable debut. It's him and Sissy Spacek going toe-to-toe. There's Marissa Tomei. It's an incredible film. And I remember seeing this one at the theater, and I think it might have been one of my favorite films that year for sure. And it made me suddenly want to like go back and watch everything that Tom Wilkinson was in and pay closer attention and then I was like oh yes I had seen him in all of these performances and he looked familiar at the beginning of the mm-hmm. film like oh the rush hour guy or oh from the patriot and um you know so I think for me it was in the bedroom and then I love your story about Michael Clayton because for me that was actually my problem with uh, that year's 2007 was so overwhelmingly great. You had um, some of the best movies of all time. There will be blood and Zodiac mm-hmm. and uh, no country for old is, men. Is assassination of Jesse James also Same 2007? Year. Yeah. Yeah. Saw all too much movies. And mm-hmm. by the time I didn't see Michael Clayton right away. And so by the time I saw it, it was like, it was nominated and by comparison i thought it was a great film the actors were phenomenal uh the script was really good it was riveted throughout but by comparison i was just like this movie like is greatest of the year like for real and um Mm -hmm. so i think it just kind of suffered by comparison and i had not Mm -hmm. seen it since i would remember when people would you know the bread and people would talk about these performances i'd watch you know him doing the monologue sometimes on youtube and I would watch, mm-hmm. you know, I'm Shiva, the god of death, and Tilda, and, mm-hmm. you know, I loved all of that. But I was really glad you chose it yesterday because I had been meaning to go back and rewatch it. So this was my first viewing yesterday afternoon uh, since 2007. And I liked it uh, much more this time. I have to say, I, I liked it then, but this time, I think because movies uh you know we don't make movies like this anymore and we were really spoiled in 07 i think the greatest movie year is 99 but like 07 right up there and Mm -hmm. um so i was very glad that you chose that one for us to Mm -hmm. discuss yeah yeah it's so fun looking at 2007 because Mm -hmm. yes there will be blood uh away from her which also just like yeah. heart shattering stuff gone baby gone atonement. which i love yeah. so much atonement i'm not there american gangster like it really feels like the last yeah the last of that type of year mm-hmm. where you were getting these different sorts of movies and even like even putting aside the superhero franchise of Mm -hmm. it all um like movies that like looked different from each other and had stories that were different from each other (laughs) yeah so I I love Michael Clayton very much it feels like the last of a certain kind of film and we've gotten others like we have had Dark Waters which I think is like very similar in that type of like one crusading person Mm -hmm. against a tide of and corruption, i love that subgenre. yes mm-hmm. big fan of that subgenre in general but i feel like michael clayton is so special because wilkinson's performance is so special yeah. like yes there's the george of it all like a great george performance up alongside syriana as like 
tortured man by his choices Mm -hmm. um and obviously tilda is great tilda won the academy award right so like tilda knew what she was doing but wilkinson is like the heart and soul of this movie like you have to care about his character i think to care about the points he's making about like big business and big law and how these things in america operate hand in hand really Mm -hmm. and alongside the many many pictures of bread (laughs) yesterday was also the quote from the monologue where you know he talks about whether or not this realization is madness yes and whether like turning your back on your job and catapulting your career and betraying your colleagues all of these things like is that madness or is that realizing that you were mad beforehand to accept the things that society says that you should accept right yes so I just I don't know I just love it a lot I'm a sucker for this kind of performance right I'm a sucker for you know like someone who has come to grips with something and throws themselves into that realization with a certain kind of frenzy Mm -hmm. and Wilkinson does that so well in the like deposition scene which we watch in VHS like in the movie we don't actually sit in the depot we sit alongside Merritt Weaver and she sort of sees Wilkinson's breakdown Mm -hmm. so we're getting her perspective on that and then of course the great monologue if I'm remembering correctly is narration right Mm -hmm. we don't see Wilkinson's face again so I think both of these really pivotal moments also just come down to his voice and his line delivery and what he was able to immerse you in without us seeing his physicality. And there's like a certain kind of power in that, right? Like we definitely don't (laughs) talk enough about like voice acting, I don't think. I love, you know, great actor voices. And this is someone who went to, I mean, he did... um, his undergrad was in English literature and letters, but then he went to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. And so he learned his Shakespeare and he learned how to deliver and what you can do with your instruments. And boy, mm-hmm. you can tell. I mean, he really does uh, just the pitch. And I guess the monologue went on much longer uh, originally. Mm-hmm. And he said, and I had to learn all of it. And so he was kind of <laughs> laughing about, and they cut. But, um, you know, and so... <laughs> They asked him, what is it about these films? Like, how do you choose uh, versus... And he did say the thing a lot of actors say, which is sometimes you do the big budgets, that way then you can choose the movies you really Mm want to do, uh, the films you want to make because you believe in them. But for him, it was all about script. And he said, sometimes you don't Mm -hmm. even know who they want you to play. They just read the script. And he said, just from the beginning, he said, of course, I read all the way through, but, you know, that opening monologue is really, it was just right there on the page. And you get that, you can kind of sense what his power would have been on the stage uh, and Mm -hmm. makes you wish you could have seen him do some of that. Yeah, because Mm -hmm. I know, I mean, speaking of another actor 
who was in the Patriot Heath Ledger had one of those voices too. We we don't really have um, the actors who, when you hear them, you immediately know, except if you've seen them in a million things. Um, Mm -hmm. And Tom Wilkinson, just what he could do with his voice was was always so special. Mm. And there's also something really exciting. I love that you brought up the deposition scene of an actor really going for it because there's mm-hmm. that risk of because you're walking on a tightrope. And if you go too far or how do you hold it? And I mean, he is playing um, somebody with bipolar syndrome and mm-hmm. he, you know, he's able to do it. You care about him. It isn't cartoony or it never feels like, you know, look, ma, no hands or that kind of a performance like a and we love him. But a Pacino in the 90s performance, this is a different thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, these are great, great actors in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think he could do a lot with a little like Falcone in Batman Begins is not really a big role right he's a secondary villain he has like a couple of face-offs with Christian Bale but he is there to sort of set a mood and a tone for what Gotham has become yes and Wilkinson sort of has to do that in just a couple of scenes to show like how conceited and how powerful this man has become and he does that really with like very little I think in terms of meaningful dialogue and it's more about like his physicality with Bale sitting across from a table and really projecting power and sureness of self and even in Mission Impossible, he's he's what maybe in like a car scene with Tom Cruise before he gets yeah. assassinated. Pretty much, but it's the same. It's the same kind of thing. It's that like I am someone who has gravitas, and mm-hmm. you will respect me, and you have to listen to what I say. And I think yeah. that is really a hard thing to do. Um, and even in the Full Monty, which we're going to talk about as well, yeah. he was like the foreman, right? So mm-hmm. he, again, has this sort of like position of power over these other guys. Yeah. And it is meaningful to the narrative for him to be a step above them. But he never seems as an actor like he is reaching for that or that there's like a no. false note in his ability to play someone with prestige and esteem and all of these things. He's just able to very naturally exude it. And I'm looking at some other things, again, that I had forgotten that he was in. I forgot that he was in Bell, which I love very much. It feels like it feels like incredibly underrated but again he is what like a lord so like a lord father (laughs) and again we have to like look to him for this sort of like paternal influence Mm -hmm. i'm looking at some other things that i'd completely forgotten about i mean uh the lone ranger is completely gone from my memory but i would love to rewatch it and see who he plays in that because i don't remember so there are also these little things on his filmography that just make me intrigued, like the Lone Ranger, like the Green Hornet. I'm like, I have to go back and see what he was doing in these movies. Yeah. I know. <laughs> what did I he that. bring to these projects that I otherwise would like 
really write off and not think about a second time. But what is he doing in there? Because I'm sure it's good. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm sure, sure it's it interesting is. to watch. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yesterday, uh, when we got the news, I was trying to figure out, you know, how to describe why he was one of my favorite character actors or people to watch. Mm-hmm. And I kept coming back to this idea. It's kind of a cliche about actors, you know, he's a chameleon, that kind of thing. But he really did seem like he would inhabit these characters on a molecular level and just disappear mm-hmm. because you do forget like, oh my gosh, that is him. I also love, you know, some of his small screen work. I mentioned Prime Suspect, but he was also in this thing mm-hmm. called uh, First Among Equals, which was really okay. good uh, miniseries. Mm-hmm. I think you would probably enjoy that. I haven't seen it in mm-hmm. forever. Um, and he also was in John Adams with Paul Giamatti, who's another like actor's mm-hmm. actor. And I love mm-hmm. uh, him as well. And it's kind mm-hmm. of uh, cool when I was reading some of the tributes that were pouring in yesterday from other actors, uh, phrases that I kept seeing were elegance and class and elegance and class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not like um, and just how what a kind hearted person he was and someone who was mm-hmm. you know nice to be with. Um, and I think like you were saying, this level of gravitas and he's able to do that so well with the full Monty of you buy him immediately as this foreman mm-hmm. and you know that there's a humility there and a, a pathos and you mm-hmm. know who this man is and what he's all about and kind of even though it's so erratic at the beginning of Michael Clayton there's something about his eyes and just what he is bringing to it when we do finally see him that you want to know more about him and he's the one that kind of draws you in yeah mm-hmm. and I also think in Michael Clayton, what really hits me, and I think what makes me very emotional about the film, is that obviously you have to care about Arthur, which I don't want to say is like easy to do because it's Wilkinson. Like that feels like a little bit of a cop out. Um, but I think what I really admire about the performance is that. God, how do I put this into words? I don't want to say that he he is so good at making you feel ashamed, but there is something about his interactions with Clooney. Yes. And this is really on Clooney as an actor as well. But you do get that Clooney is embarrassed of himself when he's with this new Arthur. Yeah, Like, I think that you really get this sense that Clooney knows that what he's saying is right. And there's this sort of, like, struggle and conflict within the Michael Clayton character, right? Because he also, like Arthur, has been a fixer. He has been somebody who knows he's being paid off by bad people, but that's the job. That's what he does. And so to have him understand that what Arthur is saying is correct More and to honest. change his behavior yeah and to change his behavior because of that like I feel like that is of course how the Arthur and Michael characters are written so like that dynamic is in the script but there's something about how wary George Clooney is and how like closed off he is with Arthur initially Mm-hmm. And then how much he clearly seems to open up and be more exhausted, I think, and more open to what Arthur is saying. 
um, that I think is because of Wilkinson's performance, like drawing that out of Clooney, like the, the duality of that and the dichotomy of them together, I think is the key to that movie for me. Um, and that was probably like a very graceless way of trying to talk about what those two characters are doing to each other. That no, means a lot to me, but it, it also feels true. like it's, it's all a lead up for me to say like when Michael, when George Clooney, as Michael says, I'm not the enemy and Tom Wilkinson replies, then who are you? Yes. Like, that's the whole movie to me. It is. And I think that interaction. <laughs> yeah. Like another thing that really is touching about their dynamic is anyone who's had um, relatives that have uh, struggled with uh, mental issues. And I think we all have, or mm -hmm. just people in our lives, friends, um, anything like that, you know, it, there's the element of you want to take care of them. You want them to understand you're not hurting them. You want to help them. But at the same time, there is a little bit of an exhaustion or you try to hold yourself because you, you know, it's like Lucy in the football and you've been hurt a number right. of times and you're holding yourself there. But one thing I loved again, and it's about, it's a two hander is as soon as other people try to say like he's crazy or he needs to be committed mm -hmm. or that kind of it's like that old thing of like he's an asshole but he's my asshole and mm -hmm. uh Clooney just jumps on him like you know who knows the most about statutes Arthur and yeah. um so it seemed very like they weren't making him a stereotypical like there's that framing device of the book and you know returning with elixir mm -hmm. and it's very joseph campbell and he's the mentor clearly and you see what they're doing and they're laying the groundwork but it isn't uh too easy or too convenient they are making it complicated enough that it feels real and that they're not just making arthur like the magical um crazy guy or something like yes he's just gonna fix yes. it like you know he's a mess and you can kind of tell when he's telling some of the stories he was a little bit of a mess even when he was on his medicine and you know mm -hmm. people are not one thing they're complicated and I think mm -hmm. um that's one of the richness uh that is the richness of the film and we don't get writing like that yeah or acting no yes. no and Arthur also says things that I'm like a little bit uncomfortable oh god yes <laughs> like, like the, the oral way that sex Wilkinson, story yeah, like oh my oral, god the oral sex story and wilkinson uh how he describes merit weaver's character as yes. like a miracle and like god's greatest gift he I uses you. all this yes. yeah he uses all this really over-the-top yeah. language and again the performance is walking this fine line to your point of like there is something happening with this man and we want to protect him and take care mm -hmm. of him. But he also is to a certain degree volatile. Yeah. And what could come of that volatility? And when he says he loves this like 17 year old yes. girl, yeah. what does that mean exactly. as well? So yeah. there are these, these layers to this character so that he isn't, like you said, just like the magical guy mm -hmm. who takes, stops taking his meds and yeah. realizes that the world is wrong. Yeah. There is a little, there's, there is, there a, is a little, little of, that. Yeah. of that. Right. But there is also just this guy who seems 
more complicated and more interesting and maybe more troubled and also more insightful Mm -hmm. aside from all of that. And I just think it's, again, it's a very whirlwind performance that I think has a really strong emotional and moral core. And like, Mm -hmm. that's why we care about this movie. Like you have to care about Arthur to care about this film and I mean I guess spoiler alert for a movie that's 16 years old but his death scene is also so harrowing upsetting Mm -hmm. so upsetting and so harrowing and again I think like a really strong performance on Wilkinson's part because he does have to lay there immobile as his body is being propped and framed as mm-hmm. like a suicide right an accidental death mm-hmm. not an assassination and it's so just it really gets into your brain the things that they do to this man's body while they're setting up that frame and how wilkinson just has to sort of like stare off I into know. space it's just very, uh, I don't like it, Jen. Let me put it I that way. I don't either. Or the vulnerability. There's another scene that just like, you know, hits me right in the, in the heart was when he's on the bed and he's kind of like on his side curled up and he's talking to yes. the Clooney character's son. I don't even think mm-hmm. uh, Michael is aware that they were on the phone together. Like we never. No, I don't think know. so. And just how, and it again, it shows you what, uh, Michael has been like uh, as a fixer, you know, on call 24 seven, that his son left a book and really wants his dad to get involved in something he's passionate about. And he just hasn't made time for it or cracked it open. Mm-hmm. Wilkinson knows this book and might is probably knows how much it means to him. And they have this connection. And so it shows like um, not only does Michael love the guy, but obviously um so does his son the other thing uh i love doesn't have to do with wilkinson but uh how interesting is it that sydney pollock in these movies there's something so great about sydney pollock just embracing playing like either a prick or an amoral (laughs) or i don't know if it's like the inner director like now i get to be an asshole but i you know right together with him and in eyes wide shut and other performances Mm -hmm. there are different levels of course Mm -hmm. of like morality here Mm -hmm. but i just part of me is like what did we miss by not having right. Sydney Pollock <laughs> be a Wilkinson, be a that guy actor and more yes. stuff. Yeah. Yes. Cause he's so uh no nonsense, no yeah. bullshit yes. in his scenes with Clooney. Oh like when God. Clooney comes to his house to ask for the money. Yeah. I love Where'd it. You get delicate or whatever. Like yeah. I love it. Yes. So great. Just a real guy's guy. Yeah. And I miss them. I yes. miss I miss guys guys I miss dudes yeah. uh, <laughs> I miss dudes yeah but yes a treasured a treasured text for all of the performances mm-hmm. and I think about Tilda and her sweaty armpits a lot yes. they're so sweaty they're like the beginning, I I just thought oh my god you know I worked in offices where the the air conditioning was either too strong or not strong enough in Phoenix. And 
uh, I worked with some women when I was younger who were going through menopause at the time. And it's like, they get that mm -hmm. right. Like the amount of stress this woman is under and just her arc is interesting and how she's willing to, I love, I mean, it's such an actorly kind of sequence as she's practicing her words. And it's a movie mm -hmm. that's clearly in love with language and um, mm -hmm. you know how to turn phrases right from the opening, the off-screen narration. But I love how she's, well, on the planet, in the world, on the globe, and she's doing <laughs> what we all do. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Yes, it's a good yeah. time. And uh, yeah. I don't I know, glad Tony you... Gilroy. Yeah, good. Tony Gilroy, good. I'm glad that you inspired me to watch it again. You also inspired me to watch maybe 10 years, uh, made 10 years before, 1997's mm -hmm. Full Monty, which I saw when mm -hmm. that was new as well. That was like a huge deal. I remember uh, people being so shocked and it's not even that risque. It's, um, you it's know. So it's so funny watching it now. And I'm I sure know. even back then. <laughs> it was. It was like, what are people talking about? Like this is yeah. that, yes. you know, this was the era we of the see... erotic thriller. Yeah. We see their butts. That's it. That's it. We just yes. see like five male butts. But yeah. yeah, we were in we were in a time when there was like tons of on-screen sex. I mean, the only yeah. thing I can think is, is there a difference in like the general mainstream movie viewing audience between like sex, man, woman sex, which is what the erotic thrillers were, and like stripping? Like, is there something... Yeah. It's funny, Less... titillating. It's it's not as right. Yeah, and I think that was... is it. Is it trashy? Right. Like yes. I, I feel like there's like a class element to stripping mm -hmm. um, that maybe was not present within the erotic thriller. And I also wonder if it blew people's minds because it was British, so it yeah. came from this sort of like stiff upper lip, which is culture. Funny. Because um, my friend, Laura, who was like one of my first friends I met in film school, um, mm -hmm. single mom and much older, was going back to school, clearly like obsessed with, uh, you know, was, we were trading movies. Like, what are your favorite films? Mm -hmm. And I noticed when she gave me a stack, it wasn't until I got to like movie three. I'm like, OK, you mm -hmm. and McGregor is in all of these movies and he is naked in all of these movies. In all of them. <laughs> pretty much it's like the pillow book velvet gold like all of the damn movies <laughs> it's like okay so i know laura's taste but um mm -hmm. anyway um but this was that era where mm -hmm. uh there was nudity and there was a difference and i think it was just the idea of stripping was you know maybe more shocking or they weren't sure and mm -hmm. this was also um you know from that speaking of you and brassed off um, this sort of cycle of movies that were coming out of the post Thatcher era um, England mm -hmm. kind of commenting on, okay, the factories are closed. This is a steel town and that's mm -hmm. closed and what is left behind. And they were making these sort of, I don't want to say cutesy comedies, but a little bit like English, a little bit of a hill and came down a mountain. Mm -hmm. I love waking Ned divine. That's a different movie, but in the United mm -hmm. Kingdom, Mm -hmm. They were releasing these. And so I think this movie kind of took the world by storm. Like, well, it's one of those. 
but it's also about stripping and yeah mm -hmm. it's so funny i looked up when showgirls was and when striptease was and oh, so really? showgirls showgirls was 95 okay striptease was 96 and then full monty was 97 so we really were in this time where it felt like stripping or like erotic dancing was a little bit like we were curious but it was still like a little bit taboo yeah. um and the full monty really to your point milks it being taboo like that's basically the entire premise of the film is, is yeah. like these men are out of work and they don't know what to do with themselves and they see that there is like a male strip show coming to their town and like why couldn't they do that <laughs> there's something about like the gung-ho nature of why couldn't we do that that I think is really fun and also uh like a very British like we'll just figure it out and we'll do it and there's like no muss no fuss That's so I love yeah. it's a dude thing like I love that part of it that so much of the film and I think you and I both gravitate to these kinds of movies is so much the film is like getting the gang together and figuring yeah. out our plan. Yes, like, I know. Stripping it's, is it's very limited. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I love the scene they were actually going to cut, which is bananas because it's adorable when they're in line at the job center and hot stuff is playing and they kind of, you know, I guess no, originally they were going to cut it. They thought this is unrealistic or whatever, but, you know, it is involuntary. They've been practicing their moves. And um, mm -hmm. but I love what you were saying, too. They it, uh, to Roxana's point at the beginning, like the Chippendales are in town and um, they don't go all the way. And these guys are like, well, we'll go the full Monty or it's a thing that Robert Carlyle kind of throws out and didn't mm -hmm. run that by the group. But uh, then that's going to be the little the hook essentially mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh but i love what you're saying about we'll figure it out because that's such a guy thing you know that we don't ask for directions or you know right. we need help right. no or like uh being a podcaster uh, immediately i had a million guys like you should just have me on the show and okay what do you well i just like movies and you know like it's cool whereas it's you know, there's no background and yeah 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 mm -hmm. there's more things to it or that kind of thing mm -hmm. And uh, so I love that, but they're earnest, um, they're messy, there's, you kind of, a couple of the characters sort of blur together, and, mm -hmm. and unfortunately you're like, well, okay, that's well-endowed guy, and that's the redhead who lives with mom, and that kind mm -hmm. of thing, but, but you get to care about this, you know, uh, motley crew, and Tom Wilkinson mm -hmm. uh, is you need somebody like Wilkinson to ground it because I think had it just been the Robert Carlyle character and a couple others, it'd be just like a little sillier. Um, mm -hmm. But you need somebody like the quiet dignity of this man who cannot tell his wife that he lost his job. It's been six months. It's embarrassing. Gets up, he mm -hmm. goes, pretends to go to the office or that kind of thing. And that happens. That actually happened mm -hmm. in my neighborhood. Um, a man was doing that for a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love how we 
it is to your point like this group of scamps like robert carlyle in this movie if lady and the tramp were like a real movie he would be the tramp like exactly robert Robert carlyle is just like fantastically roguish but he also is like a little bit of an asshole right like he is his character the worst dad like he loves his son but he doesn't actually know how to have a relationship with his son so like you have his issues like you have mark addy's character who like is struggling with his body image yeah struggling with his body image and his weight and feeling not attractive not attractive to his wife like i feel like those are very relatable issues for anyone who is watching this film and then yes you have wilkinson who used to be like their factory foreman Mm -hmm. so he is already accustomed to sort of thinking that they're like not as good as he is right like he needs to be in charge of them he is more important he is more serious and i think wilkinson projects that i'm better than you very well and how he looks plays into that as well like his hair is always parted his double suited jacket is always Mm -hmm. buttoned he just cuts this very compelling uh stiff-backed figure yeah so then as the film continues and he loosens up and opens up and they become friends and he trusts this group with his secrets and as you pointed out the scene where they just impromptu start dancing in the unemployment line like his character is the one that breaks the most and does this like little twirling move at the end and Mm -hmm. seeing seeing Wilkinson who in so many movies as we sort of listed them is usually like the very serious or regal guy yep very regal or like a little bit frenzied Mm -hmm. to see him just be letting loose is very fun and very charming yeah and such a sign of his range I think um but what other are there any other Tom moments from this movie you like a lot I enjoy when his items are being repossessed I was just going to bring that up. Yes, I love it so much because they were in their house all kind mm-hmm. of stripping and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, practicing as one does and mm-hmm. stuff comes in and then you have all the guys just kind of it's a group bonding experience moment uh, come in and scare the hell out of the people who are repossessing them because uh, you have a bunch of men standing there in their boxers. Yeah, mm-hmm. just <laughs> staring at you what. and like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. Put down the television. Yes. Which is amazing. Yeah. I think it's mm-hmm. great. The one issue I noticed more this time around is um the women are very, very absolutely uh, one dimensional and kind of like mm-hmm. I was reading one review that was sort of like, are the women the enemies in this movie a little bit? Um and I think a little, but there you can definitely see both sides, like in the Mark mm-hmm. Addy uh relationship, which is I think everyone goes through, you know, does my partner find me as attractive as they did before? Or my body Mm -hmm. is changing over the years. There's self-worth. There's also this middle-aged element. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, I was going to ask you, I guess there was the 2023 
Hulu or Disney Plus um, TV series? Showtime? Okay, was it? I think it was Showtime. I did not watch it. I didn't either. And I I remember, so I rewatched this yesterday, and I was so curious what the series could have even been about. Yeah, it was just uh, Wilkinson, Carlisle, and Addie. I guess. And it's funny because when uh, Carlisle in interviews talks about how miserable this movie was to make because they were all really old and mm-hmm. um, I think it was like stressful and it was fast and there were, it, he mm-hmm. said it was just a miserable, miserable experience. I think they all enjoyed like each other, but as mm-hmm. far as the making of it, you know, um, I guess was not one of his favorite experiences, but it's it's a fun movie to watch. I think this one, if you um, are new to the film or you like this kind of movie, you might want to go with Calendar Girls as a double feature because have mm, you seen that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have with, not. Oh, okay, it's women over like 50 or 60 in the garden club and they decide that for their calendar they're going to pose naked or a strategic uh, flora- flowers okay. and arrangements. And, you know, I want to say it's like Maggie Smith or I could be wrong. There, but mm, it would a be really amazing. great, uh, really <laughs> great uh, collection of British actresses. And so mm-hmm. it's just kind of amusing that, you know, you see both both sides here. You get the men. I love that. Uh, yeah. Take on it. Mm-hmm. And the woman's take. Yes. That's fun. I have Googled. I was incorrect and you were correct, which is always the case, Jen. No. Um, but it was it was FX on Hulu. Okay. And the reason that I thought it was Showtime is because I thought I remembered reading that it was one of the shows that was on Showtime and then was like immediately deleted. Like oh. how they've been doing that with shows that they got canceled. Yeah. But I was blissfully wrong. So it still exists on Hulu. You can still watch it. It was eight episodes. And it seems like... Plot-wise, it seems very similar to when we get these, like, 20, 30 years later sequels. (laughs) It seems like it focuses a lot on their relationships with their children and grandchildren. And so it seems like it's become a little bit more of, like, a family drama and, like, a we're-getting-older Black comedy than having to do with, like the stripping of the first one yeah but you so know, i think it's like a, if you scenes where they get together and they're I'm like sure. remember when we took our kids off you know like all of that stuff yeah. yes <laughs> i think it is like very adorable but for the most part it seems like everybody came back yeah cast wise so that's fun i enjoy robert carlisle it'll be interesting to see like what hijinks they get these characters into yeah but yeah full monty feels to me like of that like bend it like beckham yeah sort of like cheeky, yeah yeah like cheeky british comedy that is also saying some stuff about like class and race and ethnicity and money and women and men and all that stuff um yeah and i was trying to think of like what the american analog would be and I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, do we, do we make these types of movies anymore in America oh, or no? We really don't, no. Um, and they don't really even make them there much either. Yeah. Um, I remember yeah. one was about like uh, the female 
wives and mothers like military wives it might have been the title or mm, something mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. uh, where they were in mm-hmm. a choir that felt kind of like a one of these films made decades mm-hmm. and later. it's the same it's the same director peter kids as the full it? monty yep. yes yep uh, so there you go one called lucky break that i remember finding okay. really cute yeah okay yeah. yeah like all of these i think are of a bygone i think era. these are yeah of a bygone era and when you're like with your family for a holiday and they're like what should we watch like it's these like it's this kind of movie yeah (laughs) and I feel like for Americans we get like 80 for Brady right we get these like look at these old women doing ridiculous things like book club or Mm -hmm. like those kinds of movies which aren't entirely without merit i guess but they don't feel as born of like a specific experience as the full monty does yeah they kind of feel more sitcom-ish like yes they want to maybe put in a couple messages about uh ageism and sexism Mm -hmm. and you know looks based um issues too but at the same Mm -hmm. time it it that isn't why we're going we're kind of going to almost you're laughing with but you're also laughing at these ladies yeah it's Mm -hmm. a different feeling I think maybe the last American one that I would say felt like this in a good way might be Ricky and the Flash oh yeah Meryl Streep yeah the Meryl Streep one Mm -hmm. yeah it might be that because I remember thinking that like that was fun it was goofy but it still said things about like ageism and sexism and growing older in our wretched country. Um, but yeah, I I miss these kinds of movies. And I miss when these kinds of movies were a place where like a character actor could get a leg up, right? Yeah. Like could really carve out a specific kind of role for themselves wilkinson is really having a fun time in this (laughs) oh absolutely yeah we get a couple of like close-ups during the final performance where i'm like this man is really feeling (laughs) i know now i did read about the how they shot that and how uncomfortable Mm -hmm. the actors were and they said basically Mm -hmm. some sneaked in alcohol and they were drinking Mm -hmm. like to you know a little liquid courage to kind of get into it but they were into it yeah for sure yeah i mean mean, so maybe maybe that's the power of acting that we did not know that they were having a hard time (laughs) exactly and I guess they didn't tell now the thing I loved in one of the interviews I read I think it was Carlisle said they didn't tell Mm -hmm. the audience that they were literally gonna completely strip and so that's why that last shot is so great because you can kind of see the oh my god they took everything off yes yeah Yeah. oh that's great I love that (laughs) cinematic nudity what a time scarred (laughs) all of those people for life no i'm just kidding (laughs) yes but in such a delightful way yes i know are there any other tom moments that you want to talk about do you want to talk about in the bedroom which i have not seen and i'm now so curious to see Oh, it is just, I don't want to tell you too much. I'd love to. Okay. Um, have you read the story at all? Uh, no. Okay. This is like completely new to me. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, what's heartbreaking is I don't believe it's streaming. I think it's only available mm. on TV because it was Miramax. Um, mm-hmm. 
but yeah, there were a couple of these, uh, Andre Debout, that was like this, and then House of Sand and Fog, and there were a couple in a row mm -hmm. uh, that he was the dude to adapt, um, mm -hmm. but this is the better film, uh, for sure, okay. and you know, it is, again, we keep using these phrases of like movies of a different era, or they don't really make films like this anymore, but they don't. Uh, one thing I mm -hmm. loved when you were talking about 2007 and all of those movies is how many of them were original scripts, you know, like mm -hmm. some of them were based on real things, uh, but a lot of them were, you know, original scripts. Yes, the beginning of There Will Be Blood comes from, uh, you know, oil, the book, but where mm -hmm. he goes with it and what happens is completely different. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of these movies, like, you know, Michael Clayton is a completely original work. Uh, mm -hmm. Juno was also that year. That's mm -hmm. original. Um, mm -hmm. Or even if they're based on stuff like Atonement, of course, Ian McEwan, um, we were adapting things like that. And we're not really going for that. Now it would be like a Hulu limited series. That would be, it's always eight episodes. Uh, and they're always like 35 minutes and they only mm -hmm. get good at the end. And um, mm -hmm. no, we used to make these. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I looked up in the bedroom. This explains my confusion about Showtime. It is streaming on Showtime. <gasps> nice. So ah. there we go. So it wow. is possible for people to watch. I am definitely going to check what it out. And I do complaining think. complaining about then. Come on. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then I do think I just want to go back and like watch some of these films that i had forgotten that he was in or and childhood. just like yeah you know and just revel in the time when like we had we had these guys so yeah r.i.p tom thank you for yes, the work yes exactly well roxanna i want to thank you so much for doing this it's always such a pleasure to uh thank talk you, movies with you we have similar sensibilities but it's it's a real treat thank you one of us is far smarter and more articulate than the yes, other and are. it's you jen it's you jen <laughs> no stop it no this was a delight i always love coming on this show a because you're brilliant and b because you always leave me with a wreck where i'm like i just need to watch it like right now so thank you for that i appreciate that it, it will definitely bring you down but it is a movie you won't forget for sure okay yeah, I'll keep that in mind. Thank you, Jen. Yes. I also want to thank everyone for listening, especially my patrons who support the show and help fund my research equipment, film rentals, RSS fees, and more for as little as a dollar per month at the Film Intuition Patreon, which is the home base for the show. Other ways you can support the podcast are by sharing, reviewing, and subscribing to watch with Jen wherever you get your podcasts, and also checking out the cool merch store hosted and created by our talented logo designer, Kate Gabrielle. You can find the merchandise store, including shirts, tote bags, stickers, and more by visiting filmintuition.com and clicking on the shop link. The show's theme music is solo acoustic guitar by Jason Shaw and is available in the free music archive. You can also reach me or interact with Watch With Jen anytime on Twitter, either at Film Intuition or our Watch With Jen account as well. 
Well, until next time, please take care and happy movie watching. This is Jen Johans at filmintuition.com and filmintuition on social media and letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen.